A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Hot Week Podcast. I'm Hot Week Editor Matt Appleby and today I'm with Chrysanthemums Direct's Martin Flint. So welcome Martin. Hello Matt, thank you very much for having me. Well it's great to have you on because I see you seen you around for many years at the shows and even before you were at Chrysanthemums Direct at Inguison and um, it's always great to bump into you and find out what's going on. Um, but um, in the nearest nearest future, I might not be seeing quite so much of you. So what, what's happening? Um, so I've been doing flower shows for the last 36 years, um, 12 years now with Chrysanthemums Direct, and the years before that, 24 years with, uh, with Ingworsons, the Alpine Nursery. Um, and I've kind of come to that uh, time in life where it's time to kind of hang up the, the travelling equipment and uh, go into retirement. I've been sort of semi-retired for the last couple of years, um, just doing the flower shows for Chrysanthemums Direct and then running the office in the background through the winter for them. Um, but, yeah, I've got to the point where, much as I've enjoyed it over the years, um, there comes a time when perhaps there's other things to be doing. And obviously COVID kind of... Um, taught us that there was a life out of dashing around the floats of the show circuit. Well, you certainly make um, make a, a, a living dashing around the show circuit more than everyone else. I mean, in your heyday, how many plant shows were you doing a year? With Ingworsons, uh, the most events I did in one year was, uh, it was about 42 or 43, something like that. So that ranged from a uh, Chelsea flower show down to sort of one day plant sales. Um so yeah, 40, 42, 43 events between the beginning of April and the end of September, so in, in six months. So that was fairly intense in those days. That's definitely a record. But things have calmed down a little bit in recent years. How many do you do at the moment? So the last couple of years, uh, well, 
the last year before COVID, so 2019, I did 24. So that was kind of one a, one a week through the season. Um, now we're down to uh, just six. And how have these shows changed over the years? I mean, they've changed quite rapidly in recent years, I think. They have, yeah. I mean, we keep saying sort of pre and post COVID, but COVID really was the thing that um, kind of sorted shows out. They were beginning to lose their shine a little bit in the years before COVID. Um, But COVID, when everything was locked down and we couldn't go to flower shows and people had to find other ways of buying things, um, so doing it online um, really made a lot of exhibitors think, do we need to be going to shows, much the same as we did. And also it kind of put paid to a lot of shows. You know, a lot of shows didn't survive the, the break from COVID and have not come back as strong. I think I think the public still enjoy going to a show and still enjoy seeing stuff in the flesh and talking to the to the growers and the nurserymen who are there. But things have kind of changed in the way that they're, they're much, the public are much more happy to, to buy things online these days, it seems. No, indeed, that is a big change over COVID that people have gone, gone online. But uh, this year's shows seem to me to have been pretty buoyant. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the half dozen shows we do, which kind of are the big RHS shows, um, and we also do Harrogate Spring Show, um are the ones that actually kind of make us the money when we really stopped down and looked looked at it the other 18 shows we were doing in the year before covid we were taking money but when you truly worked it out we weren't actually making money um and this you know a lot of people found this and this is why there's not so many exhibitors at shows all the shows are struggling to you know to fill themselves and find exhibitors these days describe a typical kind of show for you like the travel where you stay what you do um well going back to the to the good old days um myself and virtually everybody else on the show circuit either slept in their van around the back of the marquee um or had a caravan again around the back of the marquee and everybody kind of stayed on site um we were a little community that traveled around the shows and you know, it was very different to now. Um, now, with the bigger shows, we I tend to stay in a hotel because I'm not doing so many. The van is not kitted out like it was for sleeping in and cooking in and so on. Um, so the experience is very different now. And you go to somewhere like Malvern, where virtually everybody would have been sleeping in their van around the back of the marquee. I think this year there were about four people out of the 50 odd in the marquee who are actually doing that so things have changed um, dramatically in that sense no well there's been other improvements too i mean for instance at chelsea you can now sell plants and the sort of conditions are are better they, do they look after you better now yes i think certainly at chelsea um you know, the realisation was beginning to set in with the RHS that they were going to need to introduce selling to kind of keep the nurseries there. It's quite a costly show to do. Chelsea, obviously, you're in the middle of London for 10 days or so on, uh, or so, you know, staying in a hotel, eating food and so on. Um, So we need to have something to um, sort of compensate for that. And people, when they come to the show, especially somewhere like Chelsea, they want to they see what they want, they want to buy it. And um, 
you know, and take it away with them. Um, so having having the, a decent sized sales area, which we had this year for the first time, and also most importantly, good storage space, so we could store plenty of stock, um, has certainly made a huge difference to to Chelsea. Going back a few years, I remember going to see you at Ingwersen. Oh, t- more than ten years ago, fifteen <laughs> more years, maybe more. And yep. I remember the terracotta pots there and yep. the setup there. I mean, yep. what, what was it? What was it like in, in those days? Ingwersen's was very much um, a small specialist nursery. Um, it was run by the Ingwersen family by Paul in latter years really as as a hobby and as a way of life it didn't necessarily need to make much money as long as we covered covered our costs and wages and expenses through the years that was about all that um that paul was really interested in in doing he was much more interested in the plants and and you know that side of it and the growing side of it um so yeah it was a very different experience it was a lovely nursery to work at you know beautiful setting out in the Sussex countryside um, and I really enjoyed my years there and um, yeah it was it was a, a place like no other really there's not many nurseries left like that now. No I do remember visiting and think this is this is a bit of an end of an era but yeah. Chrysanthemum's Direct is a m- much more commercial operation can can you tell us what how that all works? Yeah so Chrysanthemum's Direct is the retail side of uh, RF Lawrence and Sons They've been growing chrysanthemums and other cut flowers um, since 1958. It's, so it's a, um, a husband and wife and now they're two sons who uh, run the business. So it's a family business. They've concentrated on growing chrysanthemums since the late 1970s. Um, and now we're pretty well the only chrysanthemum grower left in the UK, certainly growing on a large scale. And we concentrate on the large in-curves disbud chrysanthemum blooms which we grow and have as cut flower from early May right up until Christmas. We cut about one and a quarter million uh, a year, most of those going to the to the supermarkets. Um, and a few years ago they decided they wanted to kind of diversify and do something different. Um, colleague on the show circuit knew that I was going to be losing my job at Ingwersons because that was coming to an end. He put us in touch and so I set up Chrysanthemums Direct for the Lawrences um, and we sell young chrysanthemum plants now directly to the public and we've kind of established ourselves as the largest seller of chrysanthemum plants to the UK public. We've got about just over 450 varieties in our catalogue now. Why are those plants so good? Why do the public love them so much? I think chrysanthemums are something that have kind of gone in and out of favour over the years. Um, but I think people are coming to realise now that they're, they're good value plants. They produce flower later on in the year, sort of September onwards, when there's not too many other things in flower. And they have a, or have had maybe a reputation of being difficult to grow, but I think people are realising that they're actually not that difficult to grow once you get them going out in the garden. All right, if you want to grow them to exhibition standard, that's a, that's a different story. But just to grow them out in the garden as a cut flower or for garden decoration later on in the year, they're really not difficult to grow at all. What sort of new varieties have you got coming up? 
there aren't very many people breeding new chrysanthemum varieties these days, to be fair. We work quite closely with the National Chrysanthemum Society, and they've got three or four breeders who put out new exhibition varieties every year. We work with a couple of those and, and kind of introduce them to the NCS members, but also to a wider public as well. Um, one thing that has become more popular over the, the last few years are what's called Korean chrysanthemums. So they're the kind of old-fashioned cottage garden plants that many older people will remember growing in gardens uh, as a child. And they're pretty tough and easy to grow. Smaller flowers, not so good as, as cut flower really, but good as garden decoration and nice and hardy in the garden. What's the supermarket market like now? Um, we have a bit of a niche, as I say, growing the, the disbud bloom chrysanthemums. There's nobody else in the UK doing it on the scale that we do. And they're, they're, they are grown abroad, but not, uh, not quite the same or the same sort of quality as, as the ones that we produce. So they're, they're quite buoyant with, with the supermarkets at the moment. We have quite a good market with them. We used to grow the sprays, the, the sort of all year round um, sprays, which a lot of people kind of look on as uh, garage four court flowers. But we really couldn't compete with the Dutch and the Colombians on those. So we stopped growing those many years ago. Do you think chrysanthemums are in fashion at the moment or are they coming back in or um, going out or, or what? I think they, as I say, they have come and gone in, in fashion over the years. But I think at the moment they're kind of on the up along with dahlias. People often think of chrysanthemums and dahlias in the same breath. Um, dahlias, of course, very popular at the moment. And I think chrysanthemums are, at the moment are, are becoming the same. Are you seeing any cost price pressures at the moment like everyone else? Yes, obviously. Um, everything is going up. We have six acres of glass on the nursery, which they need to heat, uh, which obviously costs quite a lot of money. It's difficult to squeeze, um, you know, a couple of more pence per stem out of the out of the people we supply to. Um, we do everything in house, so we don't uh, we don't bring anything in from outside. We have all our own stock on site, so that kind of helps with um, with costs. But yeah, every, everything is going up. Um, and, you know, from the Chrysanthemums Direct side, packaging, postage costs are all, uh, are all going up. What do you think the future of that mail order market is? Do you think it's kind of finding its level now or is it, got, is it, got, it still going up or going to go down or, or what? Um, I mean, obviously, going back to COVID, COVID year mail order just went through the roof. Um, it has settled back since 2020, but it's it's settled back to a level above pre-COVID. So we're still seeing quite good buoyant mail order sales. And I think that's probably going to continue, especially for, for people like ourselves. You know, you can't go to a garden centre and buy the sort of thing that we sell. So if people want them, um, they come to us in, in mail order. That's good news. And what about the future of flower shows? Do you, do you see, you know, them continuing uh, in the way they are or are they going to have to change? What's going to happen? I think flower shows are, are changing. They have been changing um, <laughs> over the last few years and I think they're going to continue to change. I think the big um, shows like Hampton Court, Tatton Park are going to be the ones that are, are going to suffer. 
I would like to see personally the you know the smaller the county flower shows the agricultural shows getting their flower tents back and there is a bit of um, a bit of movement in that direction um, the uh, Bath and West show um, as, as somebody on the flower show circuit who's been working really hard to to get that flower show back on its feet having almost died for a couple of years and that's been really successful just a few exhibitors, about a dozen or 15 exhibitors, um, but the public are coming along and supporting it. And I think maybe the smaller shows are the way that, uh, that flower shows are going to go. But I don't think they're going to survive in the, in the way that they are. Do you think the RHS might shift more of its big shows into its gardens? There are all sorts of rumours uh, going around as to what the RHS are going to do, um, but I, I think possibly yes. I think they, you know, they've got a flower show at all of the um, all of the gardens now, apart from Bridgemere. Um, but I think that will that will come eventually as well. And I think yeah, maybe that is the way to that they're going to go. No, there's certainly um, rumours about about a new show. At- Bridgewater, but we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll watch this space. So, how much? How much are you going to miss? Miss this lifestyle? <laughs> um, I think I will probably miss the people um, more than the than the hard work. Um, as I say, I've been doing it thirty six years now, and I've loved uh, every minute of it. Um, it's just that it, you know there comes to a time when when you need to be doing something else. So yeah, I, I will miss it. I'll miss the camaraderie and and meeting other exhibitors and meeting the public. We have a lot of members of the public who seem to spend all their life going around flower shows in the summer, and they turn up here, there, and everywhere. So I'll I'll miss the people, um, but I perhaps won't miss all the time away from home and the travelling. We might we see the odd guest appearance. <laughs> um, there are one or two other exhibitors who um, have made noises that they might offer me a, um, a day day's work somewhere. So yeah, I dare say I'll pop up somewhere. I hope so. I really, do. I really, I really do hope so. But what what are your plans then? What are you going to do in your sort of uh, retirement? Um, well, I'm going to look after my garden a bit better, perhaps than it has been looked after over the years. Do a bit more veg growing, which I've started to do the last couple of years um i i walk a lot um i do a lot of running and a bit of cycling so i shall carry on doing that sort of thing and just um yeah watching the world go by brilliant what what sort of running do you do oh um i do all sorts of things i like i prefer trail running so i've done a couple of marathons but i prefer sort of longer um ultra distances on trails off you know off off country um living in sussex where i do we've got the south downs which are um great fun for running along so when when you run along do you look at look at the plants and uh does it do you or do you do you know do you do you think about do you think about plants and and, and horticulture yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm always, um, you know, conscious of what's going on around me. I'm, I'm quite interested in nature and wildlife as well. So you're always listening out for whatever birds you can hear in the, um, in the hedgerows or, or flying overhead. And down on the downs, you hear a lot of um, skylarks and all sorts of other things and buzzards and increasingly red kites um, turning up in one or two places now. So, yeah, I'm always on the lookout for, for nature and wildlife. Sounds idyllic. Well, <laughs> thanks for thanks very much for all that, Martin. Well, 
Um, it's been great seeing you around the shows for all these years. I do hope I'll see you again in the future. But at the end of a Hawk Week podcast, we always ask, what is your favourite plant? What plant would you take to a desert island? Is there anything which you couldn't be without? Well, I suppose, given what I do, um, I would probably say chrysanthemums. But actually, I would go back, I think, to um, my Ingwersen's days and a favourite little plant that we used to grow and sell hundreds of through the year is something called rhodohypoxis. It's a little bulbous plant from the Drakensberg Mountains in um, South Africa, um, mostly in whites, reds and pinks. Only grows three or four inches high. Flowers all through the summer. Um, reasonably hardy as long as you give it good drainage. And I've got a few of them dotted around in the garden. And I, th- I think Rhodohypoxis would be my uh, one of my favourite plants. Excellent. That's a good choice. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to look after them even better in the future. So, <laughs> so once again, thanks very much to Martin Flint from Chrysanthemums Direct. I'm Hawk Week Editor Matthew Appleby and this has been the Hawk Week Podcast. So make sure you never miss a Hawk Week Podcast. Subscribe to or follow Hawk Week Podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. Once again, thanks to Martin Flint from Chrysanthemums Direct and see you next time. 